This episode of the Mother Loving Future Show is brought to you by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose with JMO 5000 Productions. Hi, everyone. We are so happy you're with us today. Amber and Jenna here with a very special guest on a Skype recording that we're about to get into. Such a great guest today. Such a legend. And just a really kind and wonderful person. Yeah, someone you can tell is really in it for the mission. For the mission. Not their own self-gain. Like he is legit, seriously authentic and in the heart and walking smart. Walking the walk. Yeah, smart, just talking the talk. All around amazing guy. Yeah. So uh, we today are discussing the concept of collective evolution, which happens to be the name of Joe Martino's business. He has a website and a podcast and several documentaries. So Jenna's going to give us a quick intro to Joe, Joe Martino. Yeah. So this is Joe's uh, bio. After dropping out of college, he changed paths and focused on learning about what people f- felt needed to be transformed in the world. In that thought came Collective Evolution, a conscious media company for people who want to change themselves and the world. By following their passion, Joe and his team created news media and education that challenges people to think differently about the world, to shift consciousness, and to provide the necessary tools to create and promote peace in the lives of others. Since Collective Evolution's humble humble basement beginnings in 2009, Joe has turned CE into a global conscious media platform that inspires and educates millions of people. Joe has written and directed uh, three thought-provoking documentaries that have been appreciated worldwide. He's also the host of the Collective Evolution podcast. Which is epic, by the way. So good. I mean, everything Collective Evolution is up to is is phenomenal. Yeah, they're really breaking through the next level. So we suggest you guys follow them on Instagram, go check out the website, listen to the podcast, track down his documentaries. They're Mm. amazing. And you're going to see what all the hype is about as we move into our Skype recording. But before we do, Jenna, do you want to quickly give us the definition on collective evolution? Yes. So this is my uh, definition of collective evolution. We are all evolving together towards higher consciousness. This collective evolution is part of a global upgrade that is happening now and which everybody on earth is a part of, whether or not they are conscious of it. In this revolution of consciousness, we must first destroy all old belief systems and global institutions built on false foundations in order to rebuild a new sustainable earth that works for everyone and is based on higher levels of collective understanding. It's a must. It's a must. It's happening. Yeah, we've got to do it. And that's what we're all about over here and you guys listening. This is a collective effort. So without further ado, let's get into our Skype recording that we did earlier today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Our first question for you is, um, what does collective evolution mean to you? What does that phrase mean? And why did you choose that as the cornerstone of your entire project? Yeah, so I mean, the... Easiest way to explain this is to just go back to how the actual name came about uh, when you know the conversation was happening. So essentially, uh, um, you know, it's really actually simple. It was like we were sitting in a library, and you know, it was like, okay, we want to create this website. We want to have something where we can put out like these personal stories. We can help people through this shift that's taking place. All the stuff that's happening, um, you know, and, and what do we call it? And I was like, okay. And literally, this was the very first thing that was said. I was like, okay, well, the, the collective is evolving. So I mean, we could call it collective evolution. 
And then, you know, after that, a whole list of words and keywords and different things were, were thrown on top of that. Um, and at the end of the day, I was like, we already had the answer right yeah. away, right? Yeah. And it, why, why did it stick? Why did those words make sense? Well, uh, evolution can be looked at in a number of ways. You know, I obviously got from a scientific point of view, um, you know, forms of macro and microevolution whereby physiology changes and so forth. And then you have evolution from a spiritual perspective where we evolve as beings in our lives and all that sort of stuff. And then from a collective perspective, well, it's everybody. We're all going through this together. And it's not just people, too. It's the animal kingdom and the planet. And it's also, you know, other galaxies and other forms of the universe are also, you know, having this evolution. So really, what we're going through and what's happening is a collective evolution. That's, and that's so kind of, true. Yeah, so when did you first realize that this collective evolution was, in fact, happening? Because that's not something we're taught in school. Yeah, well, absolutely, right? Um, I'd say, it, so with the terms of like, okay, there's this really big shift that's happening and all that sort of stuff, would have been in 2009, um, having the feelings of like, wow, something's going to change, things are changing. There was always these little moments in my life when I was growing up that kind of hinted as like, I remember, like, for example, this is a, a very, prof- like, I wouldn't say profound in the sense of, like, it was, like, such a huge thing, but it was always so strong in my feeling was I always knew, no matter what age, I thought about it from the time I was in, like, grade four all the way up to when I finally dropped out of college for good. I always knew in the back of my mind, and I guess it was my higher self now that I look back on it, but I was always told, if you drop out of school, you'll be fine. Like, even as early as elementary school, I was like, you know, if you drop out of school, you'll be fine. The only thing keeping me here is the fact that everyone's telling me i got to do it. And I, well, I, would, I would often think, like, why do I feel that way? Why do I feel like, is it, do I think I have, like, an entrepreneurial sense and I could just make my... And it wasn't that. It was this feeling of, like, it just didn't matter. Things were going to change and things were going to continue to change in the way people view things and understand things and how things are going to become available for human beings where even stuff like the internet, how prominent it is and how easy it is to jump on and reach people and you know use your expertise and your skills to take care of yourself and so forth. It's like There's always this sense that the world we were living in at the moment when I was a child was going to be so like just incredibly different later on. I guess you could say those are some of the first feelings that you know, we might be involved in a big change here, but when I really, really started to understand it was, was 2009 and um, really just even understanding what it meant a lot more. And was there any spiritual context to your epiphanies? Yeah, like especially in 2009, what happened? <laughs> Tell us yeah. the juicy stuff. Yeah, so um, growing up, you know, my mom was always kind of open to and, and would sort of discuss at times, you know, different things like in the paranormal realm, like, you know, not so much my dad or my brother, but, you know, me and my mom could talk about ghosts or we could talk about spirits or we could talk about different things. And so it kind of fed that that very strong interest I had. Plus, growing up watching X-Files every Friday night. My favorite night, show, you know, every Friday. Yeah. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Mold laughs> so that, that's another our higher selves, like, telling us this is important this is something to like take notice of you know absolutely absolutely so there's kind of always that flair for that and you know having uh, a few paranormal experiences growing up having experiences that I guess you could say were spiritual in nature I didn't understand them at the time but later on I started to realize that they were spiritual in nature um kind of fed this this I guess led this path to the, the 2009 sort of like 
I met um, an individual who kind of like I started to just become friends with. We would talk a lot about stuff. He would take me through, um, you know, different questions that I would like explore and expand. And then sometimes we'd do sessions where it would like you'd go back and you would clear old patterns within yourself and all that sort of stuff. And the more of that work I did, the more like the the reality of the spiritual nature of our world just became so evidently clear and so evidently strong. And it was as if like a um, a tap sort of turned on that just I was now, you know, hearing from my higher self just all the time. Now, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to feel like, oh, my God, I'm, like, channeling all the time. It wasn't quite like that. It was just that voice that's always there, you just got really good at listening to it. Oh, that's kind of what happened. That clear um, channel of communication became clear. Exactly. The internal yeah. communication. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. What? How did your world look at this point where your internal and your your consciousness is starting to shift? How was that reflected in your outside world with your friends, family, you know, jobs, all that stuff? Yeah. So in two thousand nine, um, or I guess, or even leading up to two thousand nine, was you know the period of you know you come out of high school, you go into college, and. I didn't know what I wanted to do out of high school. I kind of I didn't want to do any more schooling. Uh, I knew that, and I felt that, and, and I had tried. But at the time, growing up, I was very much um, I, I gave into authority. I I allowed myself if, if my parents or if people around me were pressuring me into you got to do this. This is important. And if you don't do this, you know you're gonna have a bad life. I kind of allowed that sometimes to really get to me and really make my decisions for me. Um, I hadn't found my own like oh, yeah. I can do this. Even though I had the voices, I just, I, I didn't fully step into it. Mm-hmm. So funny enough, the first uh, year of, of college, I had applied and um, I applied to three or four different colleges and every single one of them I found out about three or four months later had lost my application. Whoa, that's every the universe one. working with wow. you. The angels right? are strong around you. <laughs> and and the, the bananas thing about this is that I initially got we received your application letters from every single one of them. What? Every single one. So they received them, but there was a weird fluke between receiving them and then like realizing that they had received them or reading them. Brilliant. Whoa. How is that possible? That is really crazy. How many schools did you apply to? Four. Just out of curiosity. Four? Three or four, yeah. Three or four. And and what were you applying to study just out of interest? So I went at primarily within the trades at this point because um, I grew up just working a lot with my hands and I was very interested in that. And if, if my parents were going to make me do something, it had to be something that I'm at least interested in. And so uh, it did anything from like HVAC to uh, I think other forms of like carpentry and, and these different things that you could learn. I, I very Jesus-like, I might add. Is that? that very Jesus-like to have wanted to study carpentry? <laughs> Your name yeah. isn't Jesus, is it? <laughs> What's Jesus' birthday? Yeah. Um, December 20th. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Knew it. So they say. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay, great. And then what happened? So did you take that as a sign? You, you were awake enough at that point to go, okay, there's something, there's some divine orchestration going on here. That means I'm not going to pursue college. Sort of. We actually, uh, we, we actually took the acceptance papers because, again, there was the people around me, uh, you know, my girlfriend's mother at the time, my mom, and, you know, some other guidance counselors and stuff. Like, they really thought, you know, Joe, you should be in university or college, right? Yeah, that's what they think. And it's, like, understandable, right? So we went and we actually took the, the – the, we got your application paper to the university or the college and said, hey, you know, I don't understand. You're, you're telling me, like, what's going on here? And we tried to appeal the situation. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there like, I don't really want to be here, right? You're like, they okay. didn't 
they didn't overturn uh, their decision. I still didn't get to go and everything like that. And I'm walking out there kind of happy and everyone else is like, oh, dang. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. So then I ended up working for an entire year at Yellow Pages. Um, and oh, I remember that- Yellow Pages? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. old school style, these thick yellow pages before really the internet kind of was like up and running properly. So. Yeah. 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 They were, when I was there, they were just sort of expanding YP.ca, which was like really starting to put everything online and put a lot more focus on it. Um, so, like, that was, that's pretty crazy to think how far it's come since then. But, wow. Uh, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of the opportunity to see okay, this is what corporate looks like. This is what it looks like to be around a lot of people who have chosen the path of, um, you know, living and doing a job that, for the most part, people didn't truly enjoy. It wasn't their, their passion. There was obviously people in there that, that did really enjoy what they did, but it was a small minority. And so I got to see, hey, wow, this person's been doing this for 30 years. This person's been doing this for 10. And you're like, wow, okay, that's what it looks like. That's what it feels like. Were they all sick and miserable? Um, for the most part, yeah, people weren't, weren't all that happy. And, and it was, it, it was kind of like an inspiration, like, all right, all these feelings that I have and all these things I got to do, you know, I'd already kind of been touching on little entrepreneurial things, um, within my younger years. And so it was like, kind of allowed me to go, okay, this is, I, I don't want to end up here. Um, but I also succumbed to the pressure again and reapplied to college for the next year. Um, to keep the story short, I ended up doing this three total times and going to different colleges and dropping out after the first semester because I couldn't handle it. Um, the, the last time, the, 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 the feeling down and the depression was so intense that it was like, I have to go see someone and talk to someone about it because here I was doing something that I absolutely did not want to do, but everyone around me is telling me i got to do it. And, you know, I wasn't encouraged, like most people, to really understand your feelings when you're growing up and when you're young. So you think something's just wrong. So I'm sitting and I'm actually, funny enough, like the the place I was going to get some counseling was close enough to my college that I could actually see out of the high-rise building. I could see my college. Mm. And I'm, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, no, I mean, she's like, what is your, what is the ultimate issue? And I'm like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, really? I don't want to be in school. I don't want to be there. No part of me. I haven't my entire life. I just don't want to be there. And she goes. It's also that you don't need to be like you had no, you knew you, school was not the path for you. You know, you knew, but deep down at that point, you didn't know you knew that, but yeah, go on. Sorry. I shouldn't have interrupted. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, so, and she goes, okay, so then, so then why not just leave? Or why are you there? And I'm like, well, because my parents uh, really kind of want me to be there. And she's like, well, are you living your life for them? Or are you living your life for yourself? And I'm like, it's a great question. <laughs> and so um, I decided in that moment to make the first decision that was really for me in my entire life. So I, I, I went down the stairs, down the elevator, across the street, went to the building and I asked for my withdrawal papers and uh, of course you're pulled into uh, what I call retention where they're trying to maintain you as a student while saying it's guidance counseling Um, but really they're just trying to convince you to stay because they want your money Mm -hmm. Um, and and I do believe that part of them is they do think it's the best decision but at the same time it's very it was very yeah it was guilt and financial focus it was very you know um so I, I kind of, you know, did, did my thing. I ended up leaving, and uh, that was like, okay, now now I had, at this point, um, I had been looking a lot into 
uh, different things about how the world really functioned that were following a lot of feelings I had within myself um, and learning about what's really going on in the world. And um, it was after I had dropped out, it was only maybe a few months after that that I had actually met um, my friend who was teaching me so much about exploring my inner self. And that kind of birthed this thing where it's like, okay, well, I feel like I need to share this stuff. And then so Collective Evolution came from that. Isn't it incredible? It's, I mean, it's such a story of triumph, congratulations, <laughs> and such a story of the power of your intuition and following your heart. And every single time in my life that I've come to a crossroads where I can just be on that program path and living for surreal. other people and making decisions out of fear, but rather get this like undeniable nudge and push to just take a risk and jump into the unknown and follow that that gut instinct, I have been rewarded beyond measure. Like every yeah. time I jump into the abyss because I, I'm being called to meet strange people, like pop out of nowhere, which offer you this job. And all of a sudden the universe rewards you with this overflow of, um, I don't know, just support. Yes. Yeah, support and I mean, things that lead you to what you're truly meant to be doing. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. And what, so you met this guy you guys came up with, you know, collective evolution, and then how did things flow? How what else in your life changed that moment you decided to follow your heart and what you're really meant to be doing? Um, I, I like it was kind of the start of. Depending on whose perspective you might want to look at it from, I mean, for my, my parents and my family, it was like. Uh oh, Joe's going down like this like weird path. And Joe's from going my crazy. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, and from my perspective, I'm like, I'm finally just sort of stepping into something that I truly, truly love and, and believe in, similar to like when I would play baseball as a kid, that feeling. Um, and and so what started to change? Well, I, I, I was still working um, for, for a while, I was working at another um, uh, software company doing some IT work and, and I was I was spending a lot of time writing and doing stuff um, to fill, you know, collective evolution with stories and different feelings and different stuff that at the time it was very blog like. I would just write every single day about what I was reflecting on, what I was feeling, what I was going through. And the audience, you know, began small and just kind of people would just play with it and it would just it was what it was. And then over time it started to like evolve into telling more newsy type stories, commenting on what's going on in the world and how it relates to our consciousness and just kind of really exploring that end of it. And then it got to a point where I was like, okay, I would love to do this full time. I'm not sure how I'm going to support it yet. Um, but I had been sort of trading some stocks and stuff here and there while I was at work to try and make a little bit of extra money. And I was living at home, so I was saving a lot of money. And I kind of got myself to a point where it's like I could foreseeably leave work for an entire year. And as long as I live at home, I would still be okay doing CE full time. So I took that leap and I continued to do it. And, you know, uh, my, my family thought I was a little bit off track. My, 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 my friends thought I was off track, all these different things. But, you know, it was what it was. I just, I just spent a lot of time doing it. And thankfully, I had a few people around me that were also going through this exploratory, you know, I guess – phase of life, um, who were kind of along the path and along the way with me, which was fun. Um, and, and then eventually it led to just like, okay, let's, let's, I, me and my one buddy, we went on a trip across Canada. We just got it. We bought a van, we got in the van and we just spent six weeks living on the road. Oh my gosh. uh, 
It's, yeah. it's very tempting that to, to play that card, just get in a van and disappear <laughs> <laughs> into the wilderness, into the only thing that's r- real, it feels like. That's true. Yeah. Um, wow, congratulations. What incredible story. Well, it definitely worked out for you. So, <laughs> yeah. And, well, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it goes to what you were saying earlier. It's like, I started to make choices that felt right to my path, mm-hmm. that regardless of what others were saying, that, you know, it just really felt like it was the right thing to do. So things started to just fall into place. And um, eventually there was the question of, well, how are you going to make money doing it? And it kind of got to this breaking point where what is truly available at this time for us to utilize to monetize the work that we're doing? And you start to judge the different options. Um, and, that was the, the challenge of the work you're talking about and, and how it feels like it's from a, a future world, if you will, and then having to marry it with the very real 3D physical, Matrix. you still have money sort of world and trying to find out how to make those come together. Yeah, it's a big question. Yeah, we, yeah we're all ears right now to hear what you're going to say next. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people who are so immersed in that world, I know a lot of like healers, for example, really struggle with the concept of like money mm-hmm. and abundance yeah. and are trying to work out how to be true and in alignment with their integrity and what they know is real in regards to beyond the 3D matrix but also play the game of the 3D Matrix to survive. Just to survive, really. So yeah. tell us, what did you come up with? Tell us all of you your findings. Have, well, you don't have to tell us anything that's your secret or anything. <laughs> no, but there's no, no, there's she, no secrets. She wants no to know secrets. your secrets. I'll be respectful of your secrets. <laughs> tell me your secrets. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I mean, we, uh, we believe very much in transparency because it's, it's through the transparency of what anyone is ultimately doing that we can also learn from one another. So it's kind of like, yeah, we ch- we chose to go with advertising, so we used Google Exchange, uh, and we used um, we, AdSense, which is an exchange. We used other exchanges and so forth to ultimately put ads on our site. Facebook at the time wasn't censoring posts as strong as they are now, so it was like it wasn't difficult to get 18, 20 million hits a month, um, whereas now it's you know, 70, 80% less than, than that. Right. Um, so it was easy to generate enough money to, to, you know, fund everybody and make sure that we were able to do this work. And uh, we looked at it as, you know, do the advertisements always line up with the content? No. Is there another way? Sort of, but it doesn't seem like that's the path we need to take right now. Not only that, but it was like, we always looked at it as it's almost like some of the companies that end up in the advertisements, just some of them, are actually companies we may not support, but mm-hmm. they're in essence funding us to do this work Ha-ha. to expose them. Right? <laughs> and you know, there's ways to look at that. Yeah. You know, it's brilliant. That's, I think that's it's how brilliant. we looked at it. It's um, brilliant. So riddle me this: we're taking you down, and you're paying us for it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what else is like from a consumer's perspective of looking at your site as a consumer, as a reader, um, it does not bother me or feel out of alignment to see ads that might or may not line up with the content because as a reader, I obviously want to have this content for free and I'm so used to seeing ads everywhere that it's desensitized completely and I don't even notice. For sure. And, and, you know, we always, the other commitment that we made was we were not going to, um, I guess in our perspective, destroy the user experience through advertising. There's there's a lot of websites who will just litter their yeah, website with ads or put really, really low quality ads. So you're seeing, you know, people in bikinis constantly or, or really disgusting images or just things that's like, well, we don't really you know. And you know, we had we had put 
we initially we tested for one or two months some of those advertisements, and I will tell you, you know, we we were giving up about twenty thousand dollars a month by not putting those advertisements on our website. It's a significant amount, but that was yeah, the just to be able to sleep at night. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's a balance, right. and yeah, hopefully you found that good balance there. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. brilliant. And now we're at a point where. We recognize how much things have changed, and, and it's kind of like so. We have we have two essentially new ways that we're keeping our work funded. Um, number one is you see how, for example, a lot of uh, mainstream media outlets now are saying, "Hey, you can read five articles a month, or pay twenty dollars uh, to watch them all, or read them all." We didn't want to do that. We didn't want to. Our, our message is mission oriented, so we wanted to make sure that everyone could read it at all times, no matter who shared what to anybody. So instead of putting up a paywall or limiting the amount people could see it, we're going to say, hey, support us if you resonate with our work for $3 a month, $5 a month, whatever works for you, so that we can community fund this such that everyone still has access, but we can also continue doing this work. Mm -hmm. So we created a little campaign for that. Uh, We call it the Conscious Media Movement Campaign. Um, And the idea is about saying there's a value in conscious media, and if you believe in it, then let's let's get behind it and let's support it. Mm -hmm. And so far, that's been going quite well. Um, the other way that we're generating revenue right now to keep it going is um, through a platform that we kind of have in beta right now that we're about to push fully live, and it's called CETV. And what that is is essentially um, we do interviews all the time for um, our stories and stuff that we put out there, YouTube videos that we take clips from and all that sort of stuff. So as we do these interviews, we're, we're putting the full interviews that people usually don't see the light of day in our members area. And then we also have... Uh, a couple of new shows that are episodic that come out every single week that are going to be inside the members area. So it's sort of like Brilliant. we're creating a conscious media TV channel as well. Oh, fun. Um, and that's, that's essentially kind of what we're doing. Is it working? I mean, yeah, we think that by the end of this year, based on what we're seeing, we'll be in like a really, really, really good spot to, to again start expanding our work again. Brilliant. Amazing. I mean, we are going to support as well. Oh, because, of course. You have and, to. And, it's and, all about the community, really. I also love the idea of having some of the content, you know, like you were saying, um, for members only, because then you can really kind of get a little bit crazier too with what you're saying. I, I, I mean, maybe this is a good segue to a question that I really want to know, which is, um, you do put out so much information, which is disruptive to the status quo and, um, challenges the matrix, challenges the matrix, (laughs) challenges the controllers of the matrix and just wondering, um, what kind of pushback have you seen? Has there been um, negative interference coming back at you in any form? And just to the segue was kind of like, well, your members only section would be not is nice because then you can put some of that content that might be upsetting to like the general population in the private place. So it's not you're not going to get some of those trolls or whatever coming back at you. Yeah, um, you know, you bring up like a. a, a, a it's a topic that's like everyone asks about and talks about for the very good reason that it's like, you know, why is it that sometimes some things get censored and others don't? And how deep do you go? And, and what are people really ready to hear? And how do you make an audience go from, say, a, a niche type audience that you want to expand to something bigger, but you're not sure what you can say to really get that bigger audience? And, and we've gone through that so much over the years. And from day one to day, or, you know, from year to year five to now here, close to year 10, um, I'll say it's like we've adjusted the strategy and we've, we've, we've honed it to a point where we will, we will share publicly 
what we feel is perhaps, you know, one, two, three, however you want to view it, steps ahead of what we feel a very large audience is sort of ready to hear. Yeah. Um, and then what we do is inside the members area, we definitely go deeper. Uh, a lot of times we go deeper on the podcast and we might go deeper in a specific long video that we produce. And the reason for that is, is it's, it's very difficult to express a deep idea in a short uh, clip or in an article. Um, whereas when you can get a lot of tone of voice and a lot of backup and stuff in a podcast where you can go on forever, you can really start to get some depth. But at the same time, do I want to jump on the podcast and talk about how, you know, reptilians play a part in this entire experience and what's going on there? Not entirely, because sometimes that'll like, people will be like, what? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, may not be ready for it. Or it could open up another can of worms that you're just not ready to, you know, Yeah, you have like 10 angry reptiles banging at your door. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of like we always, we always just go by feeling of really where we're at and what we can say. And we, it's not, we don't feel like we're censoring ourselves in that manner. It's more so we feel like it's really what will allow us to continue to, to grow. expand the audience but also give the audience what they're actually going to be able to hear and work with without blazing over yeah brilliant you know that's a very real thing it's like you know sometimes you'll say something and people will be like they're so into it and then it's almost like you went too far and now they're like they have that look on their face (laughs) yeah 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 totally yeah. yeah, yeah, you're like, uh-oh, went one step too far. I think it's brilliant because as you grow, your obviously your audience grows bigger and you know that those people are on a journey with you and they're ready to take the next step into, you know, the reptilian conversation or whatever it may be. And I just have yeah. to say I I so admire the fact that it doesn't seem like you guys censor anything, which is so cool to, to think that you just – are confident enough and have, you know, established yourself to a degree and created a reputation that people trust where you can go deeper and you can push because it's only through pushing the boundaries slowly and in the right way where you expand, as you said, out to like the real conversation and expand people's consciousness mm-hmm. into things that they could think are, you know, labeled conspiracies or just like, impossible their reality starts to get deconstructed through these conversations so well done you guys are like mm-hmm. definitely doing it yeah, you're, yeah it's an art for you it's, you got the art form down yeah it's brilliant thank you thank you for, for sharing that it's it's like the um the reality of like uh you know if if you start to say you know what, we won't talk about vaccines or we won't talk about um say extraterrestrials, which were always the two topics that I guess created a divide. You can say this is this is kind of the behind the scenes of the alternative community is that a lot of the pages and other websites and bins that we worked with in their own perspective felt that that was going too far and that it, it tainted their audience and they didn't want to work. So like a lot of relationships that we had where we would share content with one another, those were the two things that just you cannot share this. You can't share about vaccines and you can't share about MKUltra and you can't share about, you know, ETs and stuff because that, it scared people. Not just that, there are massive people that intentions are to keep that information quiet. So aren't you ever scared that people try to take you down? Like, have, has information been taken off your site and have you been targeted by larger corporations? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I would say, like, do we feel that at times things have been censored, things have been sort of, like, uh, hindered and so forth? 
Yes. Do we feel like there's a certain eye at times that tries to keep an eye on things? Yes. But there's at the same time we, we've always kind of like felt that there's something more at play, and, and the more at play is is broken down into a couple of things. Um, one. Uh, the diplomatic, neutral, sort of non-extreme approach that we take to our work, where we're not saying anybody is, you know, an, an evil bastard or someone who's really crazy and they're, they should be hung by the neck. Or what You're not villainizing anyone. Exactly. It's very it's very diplomatic in its approach. And it, although it may reveal difficult to hear information at times, it, it also doesn't say it so matter-of-factly that, you know, this is absolutely how it is. It's It's... it's it allows it to be, you know, what it is. So that's part one. Part two is um, we, we like, it's kind of like we just don't feel like there's a big war going on, but we recognize that there is. So I can see that, for example, Facebook, you know, in deleting, I think up to this point, you know, probably 200 and something plus actual pages. Now it's, it's accounts included, it's up over 800. But when we're talking about Facebook pages of brands, you know, they deleted about 200 and something plus of them, right? And it's like, well, why isn't C falling into that category? Well, there's a number of, of different reasons, but we kind of like, we recognize that it's happening. We recognize that they're trying to censor certain voices, but we don't allow it to be something that's so strong and so powerful that it sort of takes over our our view of like, okay, we're fighting them. It's more so like, it's happening, cool. Let them go play their game. We're going to keep doing what we're going to be inspired to do and allow that energy to, in essence, just be more powerful than their ability to shut it down. Brilliant. So your state of mind is you don't get enrolled in the fear, you don't get enrolled in the games, you just stay tunnel vision to your mission and what you guys are doing. And I love how you said before you're smart about how you approach the conversations. Mm -hmm. It's more so an open conversation rather than this is a fact and this is like a presentation on this. It's more so like your personal experience. Yeah, you can't get taken down for that. Mm -hmm. Personal experience. And, and even though you might be, you know, writing about, say, a study or a set of independent studies that clearly shows a link between, say, vaccines and, and autism or um, aluminum in the brain from vaccines to prevalence of autism, even though you can very clearly show that and do all that, and you, that's a very factual-based thing, but you're saying, yeah, there's not really many other ways to look at it here. Um, it's, again, it's done so in such a way that it's like if they did shut it down, it's like there might be a bigger story, perhaps not necessarily, that the fact that it's like, how could you shut this? Like, what did they nice. do wrong here? You yeah, know? nice. It's, it's not like there's one of those stories mixed with 10 very sensational stories um, where it makes it a very easy target for people to say, wow, you guys are just total bananas, right? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what we feel is, is what's keeping things going right now. Now, we could get deleted from Facebook a month from now. I would still feel how I feel about it. I wouldn't suddenly be like, well, yeah, I guess we were way too big of a threat. I, I think it's like there's a, I guess the, the deeper way to say this is I do believe that the elite or what we would call the elite, um, the cabal of people involved in that whole thing, um, as souls, they want out of this dynamic as much as, we want out of the dynamic, right? They're evolving as we're evolving. And for for there to be a, a bunch of really angry alternative media websites, per se, that are very extreme about things, from a big picture perspective, almost keeps people in more anger, yeah, more judgment, Yeah, people will mirror fight, that. That's true. Right? People will mirror the aggression. 
on exactly. both sides. Yeah, you got to be you, the way you're doing it, staying neutral and in the heart, and just staying on the mission rather than in the war is the way to Absolutely. do it. Absolutely, it's brilliant. Yeah, so, so it's almost from a deeper aspect. The elite shutting them down or silencing them is also them saying we're taking some of that angry aggression out of the picture, and thus keeping a little bit more of the calmness in the picture. Allowing people to consume that and actually evolve a little quicker, perhaps. Right? This is my own personal theory, my own observation of it. But it's just kind of like in a deeper perspective, it it allows people to consume information that may not be as extreme and may hold them in this really difficult state. Because again, I, the elite, if you really like get into a meditation, you tune into it, you feel into it. It's like you're tired. Like they don't want to do it anymore either. But it's. I love how you're like truly you're not just talking about collective evolution you're living it like you're Mm -hmm. committed to being that calmness and being that truth and moving ahead not in competition with you know the elite and the bad guys and the matrix but rather just what you're calling is and in that you're lifting the collective evolution which is (laughs) brilliant like only through us doing our inner work are people going to be able to mirror that and collectively we rise up this is yeah, yeah I, I love that philosophy Absolutely. How, how do you how do you vet the legitimacy of the information that you guys explore on your platforms it's, it's a good question it's kind of like a mix of um it really depends on what the type of information is that's coming through so like each thing may have a different slightly different approach so there's things that might come through from uh for example like the et or ufo community where you're going off of the testimony of insiders or you're going off of the testimony of, of credentialed individuals and so you kind of have to take their 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 word and and say okay how much can we really trust this or how much is this really accurate and so it, what we usually do is like according to this insider or here's what's going on here you know and if it corroborates with what we hear from a lot of other insiders or a lot of other sources then you can play to that and you can give that more credence but if it doesn't and it's kind of just out of left field you kind of really have to either present it that way or or just kind of not report on it until you can build a bigger story. If it's, you know, uh, something that's scientific based on a study, so now we're getting into food, we're getting into health, we're getting into any environment, anything like that, you look at the study and you say, okay, how many others kind of are like this? How many, um, where does this come from? Who funded this? You know, kind of getting into some of that and, and getting an idea of what's going on. Um, beyond that, if it gets into uh, sort of like an op-ed of what's taking place out there, it's, it's really about bringing in some of the intuition end of it. And, of course, again, you would be clear, like, this is my feeling on this particular case. But the reality is if it resonates with people, if what you're saying not only supports some of the facts, but it resonates in a deeper way, then it allows people to really explore it for themselves as well. And, and that's kind of how it it's like not everything we talk about is purely about a fact, but really about a reflection of okay, great, if we continue to do this within the political arena, where is that going to lead us? Okay, probably more chaos. So perhaps it's time to rethink this. And people go, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Brilliant. Innovative thought. Not being yeah. afraid to kind of explore the big questions like restructuring our entire political, social, environmental systems on Earth. <laughs> like, yes. kind of an important discussion. And, 
you know, you don't need to have a PhD to discuss that and to work no. out it's not working. So what are the alternative systems that we can replace that with and start exploring together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, really. and while having those conversations, allowing humanity to dream a little bit again, not be like, okay, well, this is how the world works, you know, and so we need to fit it into this. It's more like, okay, well, let's dream again for a second. What is possible? What could we really do? What do we want things to look like? And the more we can have that conversation, the more we expand consciousness to be able to accept different possibilities. And, and part of this is why... When people say, well, Joe, I don't understand the point of talking about ETs and UFOs. Like, how, how does that help us? It's like, well, think of if that was an absolute fact, that there was ETs and, and that all this, there's other people in the, in the universe or in our galaxy immediately close to our, our planet, and that you could potentially share knowledge and, and talk with them, learn about their culture, learn about their technologies, learn about the ways of doing things. Could that not possibly expand not only who we truly think we are, but what we're capable of doing and so forth? Oh, right? it would totally bend our reality. It would totally open up to, as a human, be living your day-to-day with expansiveness, like anything yeah. possible, rather than, we've just been told this is all that there is, so that's what the framework we're staying in for our whole lives. And, and yeah. not to mention that if we had an outside race, such as an alien race, actually be present in our world, then humans would have a lot better reason to band together as a humanity, because right now it's like we're all kind of fighting with each other, but if you introduce an outside force... I feel like humans will have a bigger imperative to sort of join up as humans. Do you know what I mean? Like, find the yeah. commonalities within humans. Absolutely. And it, it, it's, it's just this idea of realizing, like, you know, even what divides us and all these sorts of things, if, if you were to take away the media and, and the amount of programming and distraction that is put forth every day. It's like sometimes people will say, man, it just seems like the world is getting more and more and more chaotic and, and the divides are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's like it's partially true. Uh, and I say that because it's like the media is working harder than ever to make it seem like things are way worse than they are because there's a, an initiative that states, you know, humanity is like, there. I the example I always use, and it comes with a funny story, it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen the way they mark a gas line in the ground sometimes, or at least here in Canada. They'll mark a gas line with this like, like this like plastic stick that goes in the ground. And it stands up, and if you were to bend it like this and then let go, it shoots right back up, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, here we're humanity, and it's like, we're trying to evolve, right? And and we want to evolve, right? But the, the, the media and the elite and stuff, they're just putting the pressure down. But this thing is pushing, wanting to come back, wanting to come back straight. And so they have to apply more and more and more and more and more pressure to keep that thing down. But if they let that go, it's not like we have to go through this massive deprogramming phase and get all the way back up. It's like, we stop all the distractions, all the crap and all everything for a seven-day detox, we're going to shoot right back up and start realizing, I'm connected to this person. This world isn't this crazy, dangerous, not-so-place. And you know what I mean? We, we flip back to our natural state much more easily. Yeah, I think, I think it's – yeah, it, it is coming. And I think that I like to look at, you know, how you said the media is amping up, how crazy things are in the world and fear, fear, fear booming at us all day. I like to look at that as that reflecting the equal opposite trajectory – that we're moving on towards consciousness and, and yeah. evolution and getting 
just breaking through to a whole new paradigm and reality, of course we're going to get the equal opposite force showing up. So we're just not, it's just not tangible, unfortunately. We don't, we can't physically see this wave of consciousness that is in fact hitting us and moving us and nudging us towards a breakthrough in yeah. consciousness, but we can see the, you know, the craziness that's happening in our real world. But I do believe that more so than ever before, we are at a tipping point of a whole new reality. Getting closer. Yeah, getting closer. So maybe that's a good segue into, um, obviously you have explored so many different aspects of the, the human condition and all of the systems that we've created here on earth and the, the possibility of where we can go. How do you think we need to reshape our earthly systems to get to a point where um, we have collectively evolved to a place of, you know, peace and and the world is a bit, yeah, sustainability for, for us, the environment, for the, for the galaxy. What do you yeah. think needs to change in all the major systems? How? How, yeah. how do they yeah. Tell us all the answers right now. <laughs> all your secrets, Joe. This is the moment. Yeah. Well, the, the cool thing is, is there's, there's clearly no shortage, um, whether, whether you look at some of the stuff that's emerging now or whether you really dive into the deep research, there's no shortage of, of solutions and answers available. Um, it, really where the shortage lies is, is in our collective consciousness. So, for example, um, and, I, and I always use a story because it's, it's personal in the sense of I, I went through it for two years. Um, we've been following um, and we're working uh, you know, very closely with um, a group here out of Toronto that had produced a free energy device. The inventor was Iranian. They had produced a device that, you know, at first you hear about it and you're like, okay, you know. Let's, let's see, right? So we finally sign all our NDAs. We go down, we go, and we see this device, and we happen to be there with a whole bunch of other investors from that were foreign, um, you know, looking at it, vetting, and they brought their engineers, and we're looking at this thing. It was this nice facility that had a whole bunch of stuff going on, right? And so you're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is, this is legit. And, you know, we see the demo of, of the device and how it's functioning, and you're like, this is way simpler than like the magic of how does free energy work, you know, how does all this stuff. And you realize it's just a simple, simple, simple technology based around magnets, this specific one. Um, and we had been researching this field for six years prior to actually coming into this, so it wasn't all that like crazy to see it in front of you, but it, it became surreal. You were like, okay, now this is absolutely real. I'm watching the technology function and watching the inventor explain it and watching the engineers at first go, I don't understand, and then eventually they realize, oh, that's how it works, right? And, and you're like, yeah, this has just been hidden and shelved for so long. Like, this is not the first one. There's no, been hundreds of these prior to this. Yeah. And so you're looking at it and you realize this surreal feeling of like, okay, you know, something else is holding this back. And it's, it's not even just suppression from the elite, right? There's something more. About a year and a half later, as this journey of them trying to get this out and spread the word and us being involved in the process, you started to realize that it came down to an illegal battle between the distribution and the inventor. They were not in agreement with how much money each one was going to make in the process. And they started to go back and forth with that. And it started to become, well, whose really is it? And what should really happen? And all this sort of stuff. And you realize... The thing that suppresses us the most is humanity's consciousness, how we view each other, how we view what we're doing. If we're still going to get into arguments about who's going to make the most money, yeah. then what really are we doing? Is the this technology... syndrome is taking us down. 
Yeah. Is this technology really for a society that is still warring and fighting with one another and wanting to step on each other to get up? You know, my feeling is no. These, these technologies are for a society that has evolved beyond something. And, and you could say the same in, in some ways about technologies that cover a whole gamut of, of societal problems, if you will, that need to be solved, whether it's water, whether it's food, whether it's anything. Like, if we live in a scarcity mindset, we will continue to create a scarcity Reality. physical world. We have to be ready to receive it. And it's Absolutely. I, I agree with you completely. I've had the same thoughts, and I feel like it really does all come down to shifting consciousness. Yeah. So, and then the, the forms and functions of systems will follow. Absolutely. And, and the technology and the solutions already exist. Absolutely. And, and it's a matter of, like, you know, how will it all unfold? Well, it, it, it'll unfold through our collective creativity based on, what we're going to clearly see when we're at that level of consciousness, which many of us are already touching that and experiencing that. And if you almost look at it, you're like, I don't understand why we're not doing it yet. You know, it's like, it's so clear to me, you know. Do you have, um, um, sorry, what, were you going to finish a sentence? Oh, I was just going to say, just to, to sort of cap it off, it's sort of the idea that the actual physical, physical solutions at this point serve as a confirmation of the possibility that exists, which helps to expand our consciousness. But ultimately, yes, we we need to also do the work based on how we see each other and what we think is possible. Do we need to live in a world with money and scarcity and trade and exchange and all these different things that we do? You know, why do we still do that? What's it about? Right? Yeah, so and asking that question. Yeah, I love that. So we're kind of waiting for the solutions to find us, whereas we have to actually do the work and coincidingly that will appear. It will externalize. Yeah, the remedies will appear, yeah. Do you do you feel like there is I've heard a theory that there's two timelines, basically like people going towards consciousness and those resisting consciousness. Old and, and new world. Um, sure, yeah, you could say our old paradigm, new paradigm just kind of like consciousness groups on the planet and both of so it's like we almost are gonna have two realities playing out do you see that happening whereas like whereas there's going to be people in the old reality and that will be playing out in certain regions or in certain people's lives and then you're going to have a new reality emerging which will be playing out simultaneously but for those that are on the train going towards evolution yeah i I, i've heard of this and and i've heard it expressed in different ways too where like for example in 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 your uh, question or your example would would both uh, groups of people like be interacting would they know that each other are there or is it almost like they don't even know each other are there well it's almost like you resonate with people who are like like frequencies resonate with like frequencies so those two so those two groups would probably be getting more and more isolated from each other as time goes on absolutely I, I think there are uh, aspects of that that are already playing out and I think it's sort of like when you move on from a, a group of friends or a specific set of friends that like, we just don't resonate anymore. It's nothing against anybody. It's just, hey, you know, we just, you know. Um, I do though believe that, that the evolution is collective um, and that um, that this is this is going to include and this is about including as many people sort of as possible. Now, it's not to say that it's like there aren't going to continue to be people who almost play the devil's advocate role of staying in some of the older consciousness and challenging people to continue to grow and continue to push and continue to expand. I think that happens but um, as for you know how it really starts to look, are there going to be some areas that are sort of still playing in density? Probably. Um, are there going to be 
two separate realities all entirely where we don't know each other there. I mean, in some ways, that's kind of how timelines work. It's like there's there's a the collective is agreeing to tune into one of many possible possibilities that are all playing out at the same time, and it's a collective choice. Uh, all all souls put together, right? So. Yes, there's many timelines. It gets complicated but to, to get as, into as it. As I see it, it's all moving us towards collective evolution because even as in my vision, as like even if there are two timelines, um, those on the descending timeline, for lack of a better word, would eventually, even if we're not really interacting a lot with each other, we're living on the same planet. So eventually, it would get kind of hellish in the descending timeline. So they're going to be, and it's going to get very heavenly in the ascending timeline. So those people living in, in a hell-like situation are going to look over at the heaven, heavenly timeline and be like, I want what they have. And then it's going to pull them all up. You or, know, so. or I think there's a situation which I see everywhere around me right now, which is that there is a new program that we are upgrading to, like, you know, as if we're running an old program uh, or, and, or we've got a new computer and we've got old software and it's not quite, it doesn't match with the new computer we've got. And I think that, you know, we can use that analogy and see that right now there is this collective evolution going on where we're being asked to upgrade our consciousness and people who are still running on the old program can't quite getting more and more roadblocks well that's it you're getting hit because it's you need to upgrade your software to match the current you know soft computer model and in the human realm i see that as massive breakdowns for people who and health breakdowns everything relationships abundance like Korea, every aspect is breaking down as an opportunity for them to recalibrate to the new system so and you know it's pretty dire like i know people who are it's like life or death and they're so deeply entrenched in the old old program that they need a drastic situation to re yeah to dissolve their old program and to completely reconstruct to be in alignment with what we're being beckoned towards as a race Mm -hmm. i would 100 percent agree yeah. Great. Because it would mm-hmm. give you a, a mouthful yeah. if you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Just like yes. nervous to go, I agree, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's absolutely the case. And, and it goes back to every challenge we face is, is truly an opportunity. And um, it's also why it's, it's important for us to kind of recognize that what people go through, the, the challenges that they're having is part of an opportunity to, to grow and evolve. You know, I've, I've been recently through um, some experiences where you know, it's like people may have like really extremely taken advantage of, of me and, and certain things that I was doing and stuff, whatever. And it's like people wonder why I don't, you know, totally hate that person now. And it's like, well, what does it serve me to hate them, right? What does it serve me to recognize what they're going through in their journey and be open to how they can shift and change as things move along, right? That's probably going to serve in a better way than just being like, nah, and hold the grudge forever, right? Um, and so it's important to kind of recognize what people are 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 going through and why. Totally. Oh my gosh, that leads me to a really important question, possibly the most important one we've had today. Joe, are you single? because i'm just listening to you going oh my god every single one of our listeners like because we don't have many guys on (laughs) and uh, guys that are like you know at the standard where we're like they are 
like onto it. They're legit, incredible, conscious beings, like making a difference. But you are, and I just feel like every girl's gonna be like, oh my god, Joe, can I get a date with Joe? It's like, come on, drop, drop the bomb. Are you single, Joe? No, he said uh, no. wasn't. No, no, uh, no, 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 okay. That's just no, a funny I, I guess I didn't hear it. <laughs> yeah, the, the sound sometimes cuts um, when, when it's, like, it's almost like deciding, like, is, it, is the sound gonna work or not? Um, yeah, no, I've, I've been in a, a relationship for, I guess, a year and, like, eight months, and we're technically common-law married right now, so it's... Brilliant! Yeah. Well, yeah. she's a lucky lady, and I bet you like attracts like, and you're mirroring each other, so you're it's incredibly lucky as well. Awesome. Yeah, no, she's going to be amazing. So, sorry, girls, off the market. <laughs> Had to put that out for our listeners. Okay, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, you have created three um, documentaries, right? Can you tell us a little bit about those documentaries before we wrap up? For sure. Um, so the first one, which came out, I think it was, it was either really late 2009 or early 2010, I always forget. Um, but it was essentially like, hey, we want to look at the systems and structures of our world, and we want to bring a conscious sort of uh, approach to them, like why are they the way they are, how did that happen, you know, what, what, what can we observe about them from a conscious perspective? So we went into finance, education, religion, our food, our healthcare system, all that sort of stuff. Um, I always laugh because, you know, we made that documentary when, when we weren't monetized and borrowed someone's hand cam and everything. It was just like, it's so funny to look back on it, right? The reflections and the content are cool, but it's just hilarious to look back at this quote-unquote, like, home movie, you know? Stepping stone. You needed to yeah, do that in order absolutely. to get to the next level. It's not really. easy to make a movie, so it shows so much, like, an intent on your part to get this information out there. Anyway, and they can. can be super endearing. Those movies that are just yeah. like a home bodgy job, I love them. They're great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I had that go. <laughs> yeah, and then so that the success of that sort of led to oh my god, there's so much more we, we want to say here. Um, and so the next year, I worked on doing CE2, which was uh, really looking at the human experience as a whole and diving deeper into the consciousness end of it because the first one only loosely touched specifically on the consciousness end. Um, and so that one went kind of a lot deeper into that. And it ended up being some like the film that a lot of people really, really love, but on a niche, more niche end, because it was almost like it was it was pretty deep in, in some of the, the, the spiritual or the consciousness type stuff. Um, and it's the type of movie now that if it was released now, it would probably be better accepted than back in, in 2011, the first time was January 2011 when we released it. So... Um, from there, we kind of said, okay, what, this is where we started to really hone in and say, what do we really, how can we really reach people and spread this message in the most effective way as, as possible while reaching a larger audience? And that's how CB3 was born, um, which is ultimately looking at the shift, taking the scientific perspective, the ancient uh, wisdom perspective, uh, looking at the cosmos and that sort of stuff, and then also looking at what's actually happening in our world and creating a story around what this shift is about and where it's going and what's happening and sort of grounding it a little more. Really? Um, what's that called? That one's called Collective Evolution 3, The Shift. And it's out. Yes, and we released that in like 20, early 2013, I think it was. Ooh, um, so... What, uh, what we have now, that one, I, I, we have a link that, you know, just popping around on you watch it sort of thing. Um, the other ones are, are sort of taken off, hidden sort of thing right at this time, um, just for reasons of, like, 
You know, we just narrow it down. So are we going to re-release something? They will. They will. I've always wanted to remaster the second one. Yeah. To be honest. Brilliant. Wow. Awesome. I'm definitely hooking that up for next movie night. Um, And do you have any upcoming projects that you want to share with our audience that they can maybe look out for or get involved in in any way? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, the, the, the big one is, is right now that we're kind of gearing up to, to really release the CETV, um, which is, again, for us, this is like our way of saying, not only is this a way to help fund and support our work, but we're, we're really working hard to provide uh, deeper, more extensive content in the, in the realm of consciousness and the realm of exploring and looking at our world for what it is and, and getting to talk to experts and getting to talk to you know, specific people that can dive a little deeper. And, you know, people say, okay, in an interview, I've heard an interview. And, and all I'll say to that is the way we like to interview and the sort of style we like to bring, the expertise that we also have on the subject helps to bring out an interview that's like, pretty epic at the end of the day. Um, and, and that's what, what we're excited about is so far some of the, the content that we have, which the, the latest one that we're gearing up to release closer to the end of the month, maybe early into November, is we took a, uh, a survivor of elite uh, satanic rituals and pedophilia. And she her story is absolutely unbelievable. And the amazing part to her story is that she has healed beyond what has happened to her. And so her message is just insanely powerful. And, um, you know, this is the kind of stuff that we're after is, yeah, there's these things happening in our world, but let's get to the real consciousness. Let's get to the depth behind it that allows us to really process these quote-unquote chaotic things that we're starting to learn about in our world. And um, and so CTV is, is the big thing. Again, end of the month, closer to maybe the first few weeks in, in November is, is when we hope to release that. Brilliant. And so... That will all be up on the website for people to access. Yes. And so your website is consciousevolution.com. Collectiveevolution.com. Uh, Collective. Yeah. That, that, like, that is a, a word that everyone uses all the time. <laughs> it happens literally every time. No worries. I bet. Sorry. Um, just was another one of those people. <laughs> Collectiveevolution.com, people. <laughs> yep. Um, and yeah, and so essentially, if you the easiest way to stay in contact is um, uh, just to join our email list right on the on the uh, on the site as well, so that way you get all of our updates about everything that we're doing. Great. And your Instagram handle, collective uh, mine is yeah. Okay, so collective evolution is collective underscore evolution, and then mine is Joe Martino twenty nine. Beautiful. Brilliant. Okay. Joe, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. Letting us pick your brain. You are such a legend. Oh my gosh, thank you for everything that you're doing. And yeah, this world is a far better place with you in in the front line pushing it forward. Thank you so much. We're all doing important work, including you guys as well. So this is, you know, thank you for what you're doing as well. And the last question that you have to ask since you're Australian is. Do you know who Chris Lilly is? Of course I do. <laughs> Come on, mate. Chris Lilly. Oh my gosh, Summer Heights High. Are you into it? I've watched some of it. My favorite is Angry Boys. Oh, yeah, Angry Boys. He, he's, a, so he's a comedian, like actor. Chris Lilly is brilliant. <laughs> Talk about a genius. I met yeah. Chris Lilly once and I was like, Chris Lilly, I've got a photo. I'll send it to you. I've got a photo of me and him somewhere. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. Like, yeah, absolutely brilliant. I love that you're into that. It's a very yeah, specific well, type of humor. <laughs> it's I, I, I love the, 
they're obviously it's slightly daring when he's doing an Angry Boys, and I just I love his dumb. You know, playing so many characters, and I'm like, I mean, we're getting off topic here, but you know, it's all funny stuff. Hey, right? again, <laughs> that's right. It's all about humor, staying in the heart. That's all that laugh. matters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a genius. Yeah, shout out to Chris Lilly. <laughs> I'll be having to Google that later. Yeah, you will. Yeah, um, Boys. Awesome. So so great to connect, Joe, and um, we'll stay in touch. Awesome. Yes, thank you again so much for this opportunity. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Sending big love. Visit our website, themotherlovingfuture.com for more information. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you like what you hear. We read every single review and comment, and we are so grateful for your support. See you next week.